Ashton here with Love Life and Disability. Hi and welcome back to another episode of Love Life and Disability with me, Kay Ashton. Today I'm joined by the one and only Teresa Marshall. Now me and Teresa go back a number of years, we've worked together on and off on a variety of different projects and this week marks the DDEF Hard of Hearing um, week and it's all about raising awareness of, of DDEF and Hard of Hearing. So today I am joined by Tracy. Now, Hi there. Tracy. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Nice to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming along. No worries. Pleasure to be here. So Tracy herself um, has a hearing impairment. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Tracy, just so some of our listeners or viewers can understand Hello. it a little bit further? Um, well, I am profoundly deaf in one ear and my left ear, and I've got 30% hearing in my right ear. So, um, you know, the type of hearing loss that I have, um, is, it's supposed to be nerve deafness, as far as I'm aware. Um, so, you know, I can hear certain frequencies, and I guess in terms of um, hearing loss, I'm one of the lucky ones, because frequencies I can hear are the ones that, you know, are probably the most important ones to, to, to be able to hear in general life. Um, so, for example, if I, if I had the same level of hearing, but it was other frequencies that I could hear, you know, I could maybe have to have been in an institution growing up. So in, in that respect, I consider myself to um, have got away lightly in that case. Um, but yeah, I do need to wear hearing aid. Um, I've got I've got aids for both ears, but um, the left ear, it, it kind of feels noise when I'm wearing one and I find it more confusing. So that's where I'm at now. And I'm guessing that, you know, as time goes on, um, I might lose more hearing just because as you get older, you do anyway. So that on top of 30% hearing loss doesn't enthrall me that much, but um, I'm used to it. So, you know, I get by. Um with yourself growing up, you spoke about there being like an institution. So have you always had this level of hearing or has it got worse over the years? Um, I don't know. Uh, well, it's not, it's, it's kind of not got worse. I've always had really bad hearing. But um, I mean, looking back, I mean, you know, kind of like, I don't, I don't have parents to ask anymore. And I know that when they were trying to find out what's wrong with me, um, when I was like two, three, um, they they did the usual things they did at the, those times. They took my tonsils out, took my adenoids out and poked about in there and, you know, I was still deaf. But I think what was discovered kind of a bit later on, maybe when I was about five or six, and um, I think it called glue ear, and it's quite common glue ear, uh, particularly in the Manchester area, I believe, because Manchester's in a kind of basin and it, it's muggy and, you know, it, it affects children's um, ears internally. And when you're a child, you have um, kind of a flat eustachian tube. So it's not fully extended yet. And, it, and it, as you grow older, it extends. And that's what can cause glue ear. So fluids behind the ear get trapped. And it can make a child not be able to hear very well. Mm -hmm. So when I was small, they did an experimental um, operation on me um, using grommets. And they're, they're quite common now, grommets. Yeah. But then it was very unusual. And the grommets they put in were huge compared to what they put in nowadays. Um, so they, um, a grommet, is, it looks like a little tiny barrel and it's got wires, so it allows the, the air to pass through and fluids to pass through, I think. Uh, and so you don't get clogged up and you can hear. But when they did my operation, they didn't tell me that I mustn't go swimming or I mustn't wash my hair. I was in hospital for two weeks anyway with this operation um, and being observed. And then they let me out. The first thing I did was wash my hair go swimming and that they let me out on the Friday I was back in on the Monday in agony I had a massive infection in my ears because dirty water from the swimming yeah. pool or from washing my hair I don't know which I got inside through the tubes and um, it, that caused the damage basically so um, the left ear 
was just a goner, basically, and the right ear, you know, was seriously damaged to a point where it couldn't be repaired. Um, And that was that. And so, you know, I carried on going in every six months for these grommets. They kept putting them in. up until being about 14 when they wrote me off and basically said sorry we can't do anything with you anymore that that's my story in terms of being deaf as a child so it was difficult growing up in school and people not understanding being called things like cloth ears being brought to the front of the class and and teachers shouting at you because they wanted to make sure you could hear them kind of thing and and that made it even worse trying to tell what people are saying because I don't need people to shout I need people to speak clearly and my maths teacher told me his math could do better uh, his dog could do better maths than me um, because I couldn't hear what was going on so that was really helpful and I don't think people understood you know like it's much better nowadays and for people that don't know me, I'm, I'm quite old now, 63. So we're going, back look a long, we're going back a long time. And, and, you know, things are so much better for children who have hearing disabilities. Well, any kind of, um, you know, um, impairment it is so much better because there's so much more understood and there's so much more support in schools. So, yeah. Um, I remember back in the day, Tracy, I must have been... I'd like to say between the age of seven and nine, I had grommets and <laughs> I've had grommets in and I've had grommets out because every week, literally, I was always at the doctors with hearing infections and how I was hearing words to then how I was talking the words. I even had to go to a speech therapist at one point. Mm. And yeah, I just remember, I'm pretty confident, my parents may correct me on this one, so I had my tonsils out, I had my adenoids out, I had grommets in, I had grommets, grommets in, grommets out. And I remember one of them being around my brother's birthday. And I really didn't want to be in hospital for his birthday. And I remember them saying on the children's ward that um, I could only go home if I ate my dinner. So my dad had it instead. But <laughs> still to this day. Hospital was horrible back in the day because your parents couldn't stay with you. I used to cry into my jambotis on the ward, you know, because it was a, you know, to generally bring me in and then give you some jam sandwiches or something to keep you quiet while your parents slid off. Yeah, it was horrible. Sidetracking us. It's like, here's all, here's all the puzzles here's and the everything we can do. It's like, where are they? They've gone. Yeah, horrible. But I never fingered with the grommets. I think similar to yourself, it's they said to me back then, I rem- as I used to go swimming, and they were like, no, you can't go swimming, you can't get them wet. I had to wear, and I'm even meant to still do it to this day, is keep them dry. Yeah. And now I've got like eczema in the ear, and I'm still having monthly ear infections and having Thank to have you. stuff, and it's That's just like, yeah. but my niece has glue ear. Um, they said it will clear up as she gets older. So when she's hearing words, a lot of the time she's only hearing the end of the word. Yeah. So if you're to say, but when she's speaking the word book, sometimes she might go up and it's missing the start of words, but she's getting better as she's getting older. Um, That's, um, that, that describes how I hear words as well. And as you get older, you see, she might, you know, like I, if somebody said the word coat to me, I might only hear oat. And then the rest of that sentence will give me an idea of the context. So I think, oh, it's not boat. It's not, oh, they, you know, the they, um, cereal. It's coat because they, they're going to put it on to keep warm or, you know, it's that kind of thing. So eventually you, you, you get smart and you only hear parts of words all the time. But because you've, you know, you've lived as long as you have, you've heard different and context and different sentences you know where words belong and what people are actually saying and that's how you can get by although sometimes it's really difficult if someone's got an accent and that 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 can be a nightmare Uh, or if if you can't even you know I I do a lot of lip reading so if someone's got a big moustache that goes over the mouth or somebody holds a cup in front of them I'm not even sometimes hearing part of the word that can be really difficult. 
and I guess with COVID at the moment, that's been quite difficult with oh, the masks. The mask thing is just an absolute nightmare. And, you know, I've had some really, really people getting really arty with me. Oh, pardon that word. You know, it's okay. like, um, you know, like huffing and puffing because I can't hear them. Some people have been fine. They've just removed the mask and spoken to me. But um, it is, it's, it's difficult. I can imagine. So I was going to ask, have you had to ask people to maybe remove the mask so you can understand what they're saying that little well, bit more clearer? It's funny, you know, because at one time I would never, ever, ever in a billion years have admitted to not being able to hear. I'd have just pretended I knew what I was saying. But now, you know, um, I'm more comfortable in my ears, so to speak. Um, and I will tell people, so if somebody's talking to me with their mask on, I'll say, look, I don't have very good hearing, I lip read, you're wearing a mask, I can't tell what you're saying, I'm really sorry. So if you need me to understand what you're saying, you might need to take that mask off. And most people would. Some people yeah. don't even need to be asked, they will immediately remove it, speak to me. And some people will talk and huff as if there's something wrong with me which I guess in their eyes there is, but, you know, there's no need to be so rude about it. Yeah. You know, but there's a way around it. Definitely. And so, it's all about doing reasonable adjustments. It's, I'd say, you know, a lot of places these days may have accessible entrances, not everywhere, but if you're going into a bank or Tesco or to certain shops, people are assisting you to go into that shop and to be able to do your shopping. You know, the, what you need is somebody to be able to just lower the mask for, for, for a few moments to say what they need to say. Yeah. And if you've got the social distance between you, and, and usually, especially in shops, there's screens as well. So, you know, it's easy enough for someone just to pull it away so I can see their mouth. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, the words would travel better anyway, instead of being muffled behind a mask. But yeah, you know. I suppose, you know, you just kind of get used to it, get used to some people's rudeness. And I'm sure, well, I know for a fact that some people have thought I'm very rude because I haven't heard them. And, you know, I might have totally blanked them or ignored them because they've spoken into my left ear, um, which doesn't work at all. And the less I can feel vibration, I know someone's spoken to me. And that mortifies me to think that there'll be some people on, in this world that think I'm really ignorant, ignorant and rude, and that uh, I've deliberately ignored them. Well, and I'm pretty That's confident it. everybody that knows you would know that would never be the case because I think you're race. Yeah. But if you're at a wedding or you're at a conference and you totally blank someone, you know, what yeah. they're going to think. Um, but yeah, you know, I can't, I can't do anything about that. Now it's gone, it's passed. So I have to just kind of forgive myself <laughs> and carry on. So we've just spoke there about maybe when you've been at weddings or conferences and someone may have come to talk to you and you just didn't know they were there because they've spoken in to, to the wrong gear. Have you ever had situations where you may have misheard what somebody has said and it's turned into maybe a cringe moment, a bit of bit of funniness. Um, or you thought, oh my God, I've heard it wrong. Like, yeah. All the time. Um, I do, you know, like I, I worry a lot in meetings or in um, having interviews that I might mishear something and then come up with something really inappropriate um, and irrelevant to, you know, what's being spoken about. Um, so that's a massive fear, and then that can cause me a lot of anxiety. Um, but in, in, in general, I've got a good sense of humour, and I see the funny side of it when I mishear things. And, you know, like, if I'm with, with colleagues or friends, it's always a point of fun, um, because we're laughing together, they're not laughing at me. Um, so, for example, you know, in the office, I wish I could remember what this, this colleague had said to me, but um, I can't remember what she actually said, but I thought she said, uh, she, I thought she called me filthy face. And um, I just thought, what, is my face filthy? 
And we both fell about laughing. It was a really funny, funny moment. It might not sound that funny now, but it was. Um, we, we, we both nearly wet ourselves laughing. The cold, like somebody would call you filthy face in the office. <laughs> and that name stuck now. I'm still called filthy face um, as a nickname, <laughs> which is great because it's it, it said with fondness. Yeah. It, there's nothing horrible about it. But yeah, those sort of situations all of the time. Yeah. And what about growing up with relationships and making friends? How, how has that been for you as well? Um, relationships as in boyfriends and things. It yeah. was difficult because I was really ashamed of being deaf. I was really ashamed of the fact that I had to wear hearing aids. Um, I hated it. I mean, growing up, I used to have them, and, and they were those horrible, great big things that you put in your in a pocket there, and you had a big wire, and I used to chew through them. And they used to fall out your ear and whistle dead loudly, the, most, the worst times ever, like when you're in a sandwich at school, and everybody turned around and stared at you. But with boyfriends, it was the same sort of thing. I didn't want them to know. So, you know, like, it, it, I just found it really difficult to get close to anyone. And, it, you know, like... I didn't ever live with anyone until, you know, I was quite old. <laughs> you know, like I was like in my 40s by the time I felt comfortable enough to with myself and my hearing loss and having to wear hearing aids to, to actually get that close to someone. Um, yeah, I've still managed to have relationships and, and have two children. But, um, you know, in all honesty, I think... If I hadn't have had them by accident, I probably still wouldn't have had children by now, you know what I mean? So it was like, great, I'm going to have a child, let's do it. And yeah. that was it. So, I, yeah, in terms of relationships, that has been difficult. In terms of bringing up children, it was even more difficult because, um, yeah, you know, when they were very small and, and not being able to hear, and at the time, you know, back in the 80s, I didn't have very much money, and I, did, I couldn't afford those you know, all singing and all dancing, um, you know, uh, contraptions that would, like, film them in the bed and you see them if they woke up or it would make an alarm if, if they woke up, so you'd know. So I was always running up down the stairs and I couldn't hear if they were breathing, so it'd be, you know, the mirror job under the nose. I was terrified. It was very, very stressful. And then, of course, as they got older and they realised mummy couldn't hear very well, well, you know, they got up to all sorts that I didn't hear about and um yeah they ran rings around me in some respects because I was our own parent I didn't have yeah. a partner there to say no they didn't say that I said this so yeah you know it's um it was tough bringing them up but they're great now you know it's not like they've grown up being disrespectful or anything like that I think they just took advantage of the fact mum couldn't hear so yeah and where you touched upon there with the technology as well back in the 80s, where, like the baby monitors and so forth, I was playing about on the iPhone um, of late on the new like iOS features. And apparently now they have um, one for hard of hearing. So it, it will recognise and distinguish different sounds. So if a baby is to be crying, your phone will flash or maybe do a different kind of an alarm. And likewise, if there's another sort of an alarm going off, it will notify you in, in a different way. And I do think some of this new technology now that is coming about oh, it's which brilliant. is a lot cheaper than technology, obviously, back in the 80s and 90s. It is going to help um, people like ourselves, like yourself, with um, with, with, with hearing impairments and even those who may be in like the, the VI space as well from a visual impaired perspective is you know technology is really leading its way forward. Oh god yeah I mean you know um, I, I, I've had really rubbish hearing aids that you know they, they, all you can hear is like this loud roar of noise and it's so hard to pick out what people are saying to you through that um, they're a lot better, but I, I, I've got NHS ones, so they're not, you know, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they, they, because they're digital, they're a lot better than they used to be. But there is some amazing technology coming, coming out all the time, assistive technologies to help. And my dream, really, is to save up and get 
one of these that, you know, um, I think they, they like an AI thing and that you can tap them into a watch and they, um, you can adjust them. You can kind of adjust them for different situations and they automatically um, turn to those situations where, where you go. So if you went to Costa Coffee, for example, you know, if you went to a conference or you went to a restaurant, you can set the different scenarios within the hearing divide. Damn bit expensive. But, you know, I might treat myself to one. No, it sounds cool. I win the, the lottery. But, you know, I think it, it sometimes you have to think to yourself, I deserve to have that. And, and, you know, I should have that before I think about having other things in my life. Um, because I've spent all this time struggling. And because I've got used to it, I kind of think, well, maybe I could live without it because I've managed this, this far. It's all about improving actually, the quality of life, though. Exactly. Actually, it might make mean that I feel less isolated. Mm-hmm. That has got to be worth something. 100%. And because I do feel isolated, you know, I find it really difficult, even when people come to my house, obviously pre-lockdown, because we don't socialise at the moment, but, you know, when lots of people would come to my house and family, I'd block, you know, I'd be in the kitchen running around, washing or washing up or, or, you know, faffing about, because sitting there was just too difficult to hear what's going on it's too noisy you know like it's just one big roar and it's hard to be involved in conversation detail to go to a restaurant so yeah I think I'm going to think seriously about treating myself to that there are some stuff I don't know if it's possible um with the AI stuff if you're to have a look at um I think it is AFTTT and it's basically if if that then something or other. That's basically what it means. And you can code things to happen. So one of my friends recently has been playing about with one for himself. And when he leaves his house in the morning, his bedroom blanket will turn off, all his lights will turn off. And then when he is back within X amount of vicinity of his house because it's all picking him up based on his location or when he's like I don't know not even half mile away, let's say car park downstairs everything will start to come back up in his house oh. and then at, obviously then at a certain time his electric blanket will start to come back on for the night and it's all about as well trying to be cost effective with your way of living so a lot of people just leave lights on mm. and go out come home but also you can if you get this smart more smart user-friendly bulbs and stuff where you can also then program them to come on and off as and when you choose like we can do with hive heating and nest and stuff like that so it does seem a lot of this ai stuff is the way forward but i don't know if that website can work with other things you know like it'll plug into another app so then you can go when i go to this location if it's a regular location that you go to you'd be able to do xyz because one of the other things is um, with visually impairment people work off beacons and me and a few people at the moment are looking into ones for um certain offices whereby as you enter that office you'll kind of then know where you are and your phone will be able to then navigate you around that building through beacons placed in the offices so then if you need to go to the toilet your phone will tell you where the toilet is based on the beacons and that could be another way forward and I don't know if I'd, I'd assume I'm, I'm not very technical but I'd assume if if a beacon can work for a VI and it can tell you then why would it not be able to be customized to then because it's all location a beacon then be able to work with you and your location to then customize what you need for that specific location take meeting rooms if you're going into a meeting room you might need the hearing loop enabled every time you're to enter into that space your hearing aids then know oh i need to be in this mode boom and it does it automatically um whether or not that could be something these people that deal with beacons can even look into it's funny you know talking of meeting rooms i've got a funny story for you and the hearing aid i had at the time you had to put it onto um loop so you switch it to loop um and the 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 loop systems that 
the place I was working weren't bullying um, because they were probably the wrong kind of loop systems for their type of building. Um, they, were, they were more suited for older buildings that had, you know, thick walls and they were all very thin walls. And one day I could hear this awful screaming and rowing going on coming from one of the rooms. I wasn't in it, but I had my loop system on because I was in another room um, in a meeting. And I could hear this, like, I thought someone was going to be murdered. And, and they were talking about, you know, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to do this. And, and it was really, really not nice. Anyway, I went running out of the meeting room thinking, what the hell's going on? And I looked into this other meeting room and it was actually someone rehearsing the play and they were talking through the script. And I just thought, oh, thank God for that. But I reported it because I thought that's really, you know, confidentiality. That could have been a private meeting. Um, yeah. And they could have been talking about something really quite serious. So, you know, they actually did have to do something about that and the loop system that they had. Um, because it was a breach of confidentiality, even though that was quite funny in lots of ways. But, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. It just reminded me. Cool. <laughs> but, but, you know, these are the sort of things that you're experiencing maybe day to day that other people take for granted with their own hearing, whereby they might not be able to have picked up on that because of the hearing loop situation. And the things that we may hear and see, depending on our impairments, you know, can be put, put for granted. And we have both um, of late have participated in some British Sign Language and we've been doing some music videos. Do you, do you know much BSL or have you thought about picking up any BSL as a second language? Yeah, yeah I did because there was a time when, you know, I was seriously worried that I might end up being completely deaf. When I was a lot younger, the age I am now seemed ancient and I thought, just think by the time I'm 60, I might be like not be able to hear anything. I better learn sign language. But I, I haven't actually learned it because nobody would teach me for free. I had to pay quite a lot of money to learn it. And um, I thought, well, maybe I'll learn it when I start to get really deaf and I can afford to pay for it. Because don't forget then, when I was thinking about that, I was a lone parent with two kids. Yeah. And I was a student as well, you know, I didn't have any money. And um, following that, bringing up two, two boys on your own is expensive. I couldn't afford that kind of luxury. Uh, I'm sure that there must be places where you can learn it now. And, yeah. you know, I found it actually, I really enjoyed doing the signing. I think it's really um, very graceful mm -hmm. uh, to watch someone signing when you see how clever they are with the hands and how they can communicate so much just by using hands and expression. That's body language at its best. Yes. So, yeah, you know, I'd love to learn it. But it really resonated when when Fletch, when we met with Fletch, it really resonated with me when she said, I, I listen with my eyes. Mm. Because that's so, so true, because you're either watching somebody's hand movements to engage because it's BSL, or you could be watching out for, for body language and that, that, re that really, I guess, I think it's probably best to say that like, really struck a chord because it's, well, yeah, well, why wouldn't you be listening with your eyes? It's very true that. And, you know, it's funny you should say that because I did have a business for 17 years and um, I was creating resources for that. And a lot of it was based on drawing people and there were discussion tools of things that I created. Um, and I drew a lot of people and I was really, really good at reading body language and drawing them, those body languages. And I think that comes from not being able to hear very well, not having subtitles on TV at one time, because they, they were far and few between subtitles. And um, so to, in order to know what was going on in a programme and not be able to hear half of it, you would watch body language, facial expression to give meaning to the odd words that you could hear. So, yeah, you know, I think she's right there. You do, you do hear with your eyes to a point. I also feel I can, because I can hear something, I will put music on full blast and let it go through my body. 
yeah probably not doing me any good but I, I you know I enjoy that I can feel the music and all of that yeah I that's what Fletcher was saying yeah I like to feel it and speaking of your business there with your artwork obviously we can see your masterpiece in the background and I know you're a big artist I and I follow that. you on Facebook do you want to tell us a little bit more about your artwork and where people can actually go to see more of your art well um I've always done art I've, I've been a community artist as well for many many years and I used to do a lot of murals with kids on streets um so street art inside youth clubs and things like that um yeah um, I've just always done art so then, you know, the business was very much about um, designing, but still using art and drawing people. And then, you know, bringing up kids, it, it did get quite hard to actually do what I like to do, which is paint, because never had any time. You, you're always mum, aren't you? And you're cooking, cleaning, shopping, and, and being a taxi service. So during that, and then working full time, also not very much time to do things, but, um, this lockdown, well, actually, just before lockdown, I'd asked to do, um, you know, the compressed hours. And I yes. call it my space for trace day. So I did compressed hours. I'll just close these blinds a bit. I did compressed hours. So I did a nine-day fortnight. And, and that gave me a day that was my space for trace day, paint day. And so that's what I started to do. Um, and then we went on to lockdown and, and not having to go to work every day, but, you know, it can kind of freed up three hours a day because you've got lunchtime, you've got your commuting. Um, so I've just done loads and loads of lockdown paintings. Um, gone back to my first love, which is to paint people and to paint animals and flowers and things that, um, that I love. Uh, so... Yeah, I do have a Facebook, um, Tracy Marshall, the artist, I think it's, I don't even know what it's called, how disgusting. And then I've got an Instagram, which is Tracy M, the artist, um, which that one, I just literally have put um, the, the stuff I've done during lockdown. Um, and then the Tracy, Tracy Marshall artist on Facebook, it just got, a mishmash of all the different things I've ever done, including, you know, some of the public arts I've done and the work I've done with them um, in the community mm -hmm. with children and old people as well. Um, and also I, I've done like the wilding art, great big um, animal trails that, that happen. I don't know whether you've seen, seen them. They had cows in Manchester years ago, but I did um, a rhino, um, for um, Rhinomania, for Chester. Uh, and that was actually sponsored by Granada Reports, mine. And uh, yeah, it got sold as well for quite a lot of money at the end. And then the following year, they asked me to make another, another rhino exactly the same. I called it Precious, Precious Commodity. So I painted, um, painted this huge rhino. It was in my, it was in my um, lean to at the back there. So. Um, I, I kind of like put um, trousers on it that were like a tiger and it's topped with leopard skin. Oh, and cool. A head was um, panda and she had like little leopard, leopard zebra boots on. So it was about, you know, like people thought those skins were precious back in the day and they were a precious commodity. And now, you know, those animals are precious commodities because people are murdering them all the time. Yeah. And, you know, they've become a precious, very precious and threatened, especially the rhino. So, yeah, that's what that was about. And I like doing stuff like that. It's fun. That's well I cool. I get paid a lot of money for it, but, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully one day, but your artwork is incredible. And I know you do sell your artwork. So if anybody is looking for inspirational art for their house or indeed for Tracy to do, photos um family portraits and stuff she's done some incredible ones of her own family and they're absolutely they're amazing she's oh, so perfect okay. i remember when i was trying to do one of my um of my goddaughter and i was sending I you a little snippet that's it's a, really good it's a blooming painting by numbers tracy <laughs> well you're still painting 
it still, still did it and it's still you know that love that you put into it yeah I'll get there one day and all of it's painting by numbers really Kay because when you are drawing someone you are literally you know looking at those shapes and those tones it just that the, the numbers aren't actually on it but that's you're doing it for yourself really you're making your own paint by numbers by looking at tone and shape and 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 getting it down on paper that's what it's about and the old wow. masters did that you know did you know that no yeah they had some sort of um strange devices i'm not sure what they're called but they all did it and they would kind of they worked a bit like tracing so <laughs> it was an optical thing so it'd throw the light um light onto the object that you wanted to draw or the person that you wanted to draw and then they could draw that shape that was reflected onto the paper or the wall or whatever it was they were painting on that's so, cool, yeah. cool they were all at it back in the day there you go <laughs> so what kind yeah. of art do we have coming up at the moment then pardon what kind of art do we have coming up at the moment what's your next project you're working on well um, i'm actually going to open a shop it's on etsy so i'm getting some prints made i've actually sold the print but i didn't know i'd sold it and I've made a colossal mistake of not going in my shop for months. And then I got a message to tell me that somebody was really, really upset with me because they paid for this, this print and I hadn't sent it. So I've got a, a scathing review at the moment, which I'm hoping will be put right because I've sent stuff out. But I am going, I mean, I only had one thing, you know, a couple of things in there, but I'm going to, you know, like all the animals I've done and like this one here at the back. Um, I, I'm getting prints done onto canvas or um, I'm making cushions with some of them. That's so good. They're getting printed onto cushions, like the Frida Kahlo one I've got is a cushion. That looks really nice as a cushion. But um, yeah, I need to put more stuff in it and then I will put those links onto my web pages and hopefully Amazing. people will go in there. Bye. There's a yeah. lot of people at the moment have been doing t-shirts out of artworks that they've been doing some of those look pretty cool and I watched a gentleman he's called Art by Brian and he was doing prints onto canvas and into um, photo frames and working with local stores as well within Manchester where they're doing like street stores and then you've got your makers fairs I think they'll be opening up back soon so like in Middlewich, Fallowfield and Manchester where you can even have like your makers market where we can then start to go on there oh, and yeah, yeah. get Great things idea. sold as well well i've got a niece that's got a shop in stockport and she said she would sell some of my prints as well so i suppose it's about you know waiting till a, to a, yeah. for a month where i haven't got too many outgoings and investing a little bit of money getting some prints more prints done Definitely. so i've recently done a little doggy um oh. a border terrier percy okay uh, um, I've had him made into a cushion and uh, a, a, a print, and um, I'm doing I'm doing some more portraits. But yeah, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to go out walking, take loads of photos for inspiration. So you know, I, I like to challenge myself with things that look really difficult. I don't know why I must be a masochist, <laughs> but you know, like if you if you look at like really you know if you looked at a bunch of flowers and there's a load of shadow I think oh that looks so hard I'm going to try it and yeah you know because it's mentally it's challenging isn't it to, to try and get that and get that looking like it should not everybody's like that though everybody does different types of art don't they some people you know like experimenting and I do like to experiment as well you know with different types of materials but at the moment I'm on a I'm on this little journey, my lockdown journey, painting people, flowers and animals. It's a brilliant journey and art's so therapeutic as well, as oh, we've yeah. known. Just keep when, me yeah. When we've done sessions together with art as well in the past and different mindfulness, um, those that are a regular listen, listeners to, to the podcast will know that I've had a re, We Rethink Manchester on and we speak to... Um, a group a group of persons so we've speak to like Neil who's an artist and how he's using basically art therapy 
to ground people and to let you think about your surfaces, different things that may be around you for inspiration. Interestingly, I was reading about David Hockney because I love his artwork. Um, and he was deaf as well, partial hearing. Wow. I never knew that. Well, he is, I should say, I'm saying he was, still alive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I love his work and I never knew that he was partially deaf. Uh, there's lots of people out there that you don't know about that are living their lives and being very very successful because there's a lot of musicians as well that are also um, deaf and hard of hearing and I just mm -hmm. find so many people that do have these hidden disabilities whether, not, whether just using visual impairment and deaf hard of hearing as an example that are incredible artists or incredible musicians or um, even those that are a loss of limb um, of their hands, but then they can still play guitar. And it's like, wow, there's a gentleman, um, I think it's called Harry, I'd like to say, or Henry, and he's an artist and he uses his mouth. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Yeah, oh, they are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, when I used to teach art to um, children and adults with, with disabilities, physical disabilities, or impairment. I remember there was a girl that they, they used to bring her along, the, the carers would come to the classes with them, and they just like bring her along to sit there. And I said, well, surely she wants to join in. Oh, she, she doesn't know what's going on. But I, I don't know, I sometimes think, I think we do. And because she couldn't hold a pen or a pencil or a paintbrush, I felt um, like, um, I tried a, a few different things really. I tried using, you know, like really thin balloons that would burst. Um, I filled them with paint so she could throw them on paper because she used to throw things. Whatever you put in her hand, she'd throw. And then I tried cotton wool balls with paper, with paint in. So she'd throw those and they'd splat and they would also create like um, relief as well. So we'd take her outside on a nice day and put paper down and that wow. she would paint her own picture that way which was great amazing. or you know we put paint on the wheels of her of her chair and mm -hmm. and we got other people who could manipulate their own chairs to do their own painting that they could manipulate themselves without being pushed but it was nice to do that because then um, they felt included then and i think that's the main thing it's making people feel included and again, this is why I'm a big lover at the moment for technology, because going back, what, the other year, we didn't have closed captions maybe and built into things like Zoom, or if it was, it wasn't always made live in, in different companies' tendencies and so forth. And people are now actively thinking about things like you spoke before about the TVs. When you was watching TV growing up, you didn't have closed captions or subtitles to be able to watch and now you can be included and watch TV. And speaking about TV, you know, casual to have their first um, um, be the hard of hearing actor. And we, we've never had an actress represented like that before, especially on um, certain channels. And it's just I mean, great to get it mainstream. Role. You know, a nurse. Yeah. You know, so that, that I, I, I was really impressed with that, to be fair. It's good. I think we need a, a lot more. What do you think needs to be changing more within the media? So what did you say then? What do you feel needs to be changed more in the media when it becomes to representing deaf and hard of hearing? Just, just deaf, and, deaf and hard of hearing people. I think everyone, mm -hmm. everyone should be there as incidental, not as a deaf person, not as yeah. a person in a wheelchair, not as a person who's neurodiverse, but just as a person. And I think if they're there as a person doing whatever they're doing, people are going to have a greater understanding of what they're about rather totally. than, uh, you know, the, the, there's a problem. This yeah. is what you have to do with this problem. It's they're there taking part in something like, um, you know, the, the person in, in casualty. Yeah. And how people um, manage the situation because they know that she has a disability um but she, it can be managed that you know that she can do that job um because it's managed how it should be managed and it's it, it part of 
of uh, the, the fabric of the hospital and, and of the ward that she works on. And that's what it should be like. It, you know, totally it's agree. the idea that people are, right, we'll take you one because we need X amount of deaf people or we need X amount of disabled people to, you know, take those boxes uh, for diversity. But we're not going to really include you um, to the extent that you're going to, you know, fly or or be developed. Yeah. Um, because totally agree. Because have those automatic um, assumptions that you're not going to be capable. Um, well, it feels that way to me as a lifetime. I mean, that's one of the reasons I have my own business, if I'm honest, because I got sick of it. I got sick of being treated like I couldn't do stuff uh, and I knew damn well I could. So I ran my own business for 17 years and, and it was quite a successful business, if I'm honest. But, you know, it's just the way it is. And um, to, for me, in the media now, to see it being like normal, if there's any such word, but, you know, every day you're seeing people. Yeah. That's what I want to say. You're not the only one. And I always question is where does it start you know as we keep saying you know we want it to be accidental but should it be the writers casting for disabled people or should it be the casters who are casting the role be then basically going oh that person needs to have a disability or should it always be the best person for the role and then it is more truly incidental um well, I think when you, you know, if you're doing, if you're doing something, um, if you're creating something, obviously you're going to want the best person for the role. But um, I don't think that you should employ a crap actor just for the sake of having someone with a hearing impairment, for example. I don't think that would work at all. And I don't think it's fair on the person either, the, the hearing disabled person, because, um, you know, it's not it's not going to do them any favours if people think they're not very good actors. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, I think opportunities should be made for people. Um, and I think that, you know, instead of saying we need a deaf actor, it should be we need an actor. And if a deaf actor turns up and they're good at that role, then they should get that role. Totally agree. Should be excluded from it. Mm -hmm. Or on the other hand, if you're looking to include diversity as you know as part of um, your strategy, then somehow you have to write that in as being, um, it, you know, so it, it's it's not obvious that it's it's part of your strategy. And I'm I'm, I'm ticking boxes here. Yeah. So you'll do, and in the in the go. Um, I think people need those strategies in place. I think they need to think about diversity, but alongside the diversity, they also need to think about how they include people. Yeah, because I know sometimes in the disabled community, there's always, always backlash when if there is a, I'll use my bunny ears for this one, if there's a disabled actor or actress or just is an able-bodied person or able person, playing the role so somebody pretending to be autistic somebody pretending to be in a wheelchair day to day that person's not that yeah I, I was going to say how do you feel for that because I always see backlash on Twitter when this is taking place yeah that that irritates me a little bit because you know when you look at, at like Coronation Street for example they've got um um a young man on there that has Down syndrome and um, is that the right term for it now? Is it called something else? Or, you know, I sometimes worry I'm using the wrong term, but he's got Down syndrome. He's a great actor. Yeah, I, I know which one you're on about. Yeah, and he's a, he's a really good actor. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure there's masses of talent out there that get ignored. So, you know, it's about, um, that, that is part of the inclusion thing, really, isn't it? making sure that you include people. And personally, you know, if you can't find an actor to play a part where you need someone in a wheelchair, you can't, and they are, you know, in a wheelchair, or you can't find an actor that is, is you know, visually impaired, then, you know, maybe you will have to use a replacement actor. But I do think there must be lots of people out there that would love to, you know, have the chance to play those parts. 
and who are genuinely impaired in some way. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Well, Tracy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and learning more about what you've been doing with your artwork and growing up um, with hearing impairments. And it's a fantastic week, obviously, at the moment, obviously, with it being DDEF Hard of Hearing um, Impairment Week to, to raise as much awareness as possible. And hopefully, you know, the more people are talking and the more people are doing to raise awareness, then, you know, the, the better it will be. Definitely. I agree. I think it, it's really helpful for able-bodied people to hear these stories. It help, you know, like if it, if it was me just talking to somebody about being neurodiverse, there are always things I can learn about that that give me a better insight um, and, and, you know, help me to know how to work with people who might be neurodiverse. And yeah, I think, I think it's great that we're, we're, we're doing these awareness, um, these awareness sessions. So yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here. I hope I haven't waffled too much. <laughs> You've been cool. And all I guess I want to say as well to people in kind of closing remarks is, you know, if you are in work and you're using things such as MS Teams, that does have live, live captions built yeah. in. Ensure you're telling people at the start of calls to be turning them on. You don't know if someone needs it and yeah. you don't want your colleagues to struggle. And likewise with Zoom, if you're on an enterprise license or even if you're not, it's just double checking your back end. <laughs> Of your zoom client double checking that you know can yeah. you turn on live captions because yeah. it can go a long way and it can really help support people it does help it does help a lot and just you know on the subject of zoom and, and ms team i find it great having meetings on there because i can lit read so easily because the speaker comes up big and you know you've got it on you can have you, you have a choice you can have little pictures or big pictures so as soon as someone speaks, they, you know, they fill my screen. That's great. I've got the captions and I've got the mouth. <laughs> and then somewhere I'm going to understand what's going on, which is good. That, that's great. It really is. And I think people just need to embrace um, accessibility features that little bit more and help out their, their friends and their families and their colleagues because you just don't know. And I guess some... Um, hearing impairments are also a hidden condition because unless we may see the conular implants or the hearing aids or some people might not even wear them it's it's so important and if somebody does ask you to repeat something don't take the huff with them just because they might have misunderstood or didn't quite hear something always just do it with a smile and just repeat yourself it's, it's cool the worst one is where they say oh it doesn't matter when you say pardon they say oh it doesn't matter it bloody well does and that's the final word. <laughs> well, we'll ensure, Tracy, that we do share your um, Facebook page and your Instagram so people can go ahead and buy your artwork. And also, of course, once you've got your Etsy channel set up, we'll also put the update down there below and get the um, links added. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Kay. Of course we will. And we'll get it all out on Twitter and get sharing, Woo! spreading the love. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Love, love, love. <laughs>